Welcome to the Forward Minds podcast. I'm your host, Joy Asfar. Join me every month as we meet entrepreneurs and innovators who are propelling change in the world of sustainability. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Forward Minds. Today, we're asking the question, how do you turn trash into treasure? Joining us to explain is Ginia Miniva, the founder and creative director of sustainable accessories brand Bean London. Passionate about zero waste design, circularity, and supporting local makers, she believes in both innovation and the art of collaboration. Stay tuned as we find out more about her label's use of recycled material and what challenges fashion still needs to overcome for a better future. Welcome, Ginia. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Forward Minds. It's the first season of the podcast, and I'm super happy to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So before getting into uh, the details of Bean, which is your accessories label that you founded in 2018, and we'll delve into the principle of your brand later on, I'd like to speak about your extremely varied career. You started as a political journalist for the BBC. You went on to work in global communications in impact-driven NGOs. I'd love to hear about your journey and how you think it influenced your new adventure. <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a career, to be honest with you. <laughs> anymore. Not anymore, for sure. <laughs> it was a career. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah, I started uh, started out as a journalist and did news and, news and current affairs for most of my life, I think. So elections, you know, anything, really, just news. and. I guess as I was interviewing people and I was sitting in that newsroom uh, editing those news stories, the question that you often have is, is there anything else I can do to help? Because if you, especially if you cover, you know, humanitarian crises and if you, there's always that thought on the back of your mind, like, is there anything I can do to help apart, you know, apart from just writing this story? And I guess that led me to the world of NGOs where it's much more hands-on, it's much more you're working to help a particular cause. So I ended up actually joining as a volunteer, joining supermodel Natalia Vodinova's charity, joined as a volunteer. And two weeks later, I was uh, the global director of comms and fundraising. So that was an amazing job. I learned so much. Um, a really fantastic NGO working in with families raising children with special needs. So the work was really meaningful. Very engaging. Very engaging, very varied. We did lots of events, uh, obviously engaging the entire fashion industry because of Natalia's background and where Natalia, yeah, her network. So it was fascinating. And then I had my second daughter. Okay. I've got two little girls. And then, yeah, I ended up working on the Global Goals campaign. So the very initial launch of the Global Goals campaign, which was led by filmmaker Richard Curtis. So I was part of his team working on the initial launch. So when the Global Goals were signed at the UN and our job was to make the goals popular, you know, translating that slightly dry, I mean, to <laughs> put it in my <laughs> language of the UN and the complexity of what it means to sign a global agreement, translating that into a language and imagery and visuals and films that would be, you know, more accessible to more people. Music, TV, 
Beyonce on, you know, in New York, uh, in Central Park, all of those things. And um, yeah. That must have been very, very, you know, engaging and intriguing to be able to translate those goals into something accessible to the public. As you were saying, that's something really important. And it's tough. It's a tough job because the concepts are, can, can be scary, can be complicated to understand. So I think that's, that's very, very exciting. It can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, um, climate change is so big and so complex and human rights is big and complex. And I think I'm drawn to those complexities. And this is why I ended up studying sustainability later on. You know, I got my, I got my <laughs> last degree just two years ago. <laughs> Went back to uni at the age of uh, 36, 37 even. So, yeah. That's great. And then I, from there, I went into campaigning. Uh, Change.org, uh, the petitions platform, approached me and they're an amazing team. And that was about helping anyone really to to run campaigns and to see the change they want to see. I was looking after Europe by the end of my contract there. And this was really the end of my career. <laughs> In the beginning of the second career. <laughs> well, third, I guess. Third, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I watched a film about waste and learned that everything we think is recycled is usually not recycled, is usually incinerated. At about the same time, I volunteered in Calais at the refugee camp and I was put on the clothing donations line. So my friend Jenny and I, we were sorting out, you know, taking all the bags of clothing, clothes donations and sorting them into piles. One pile would be for the refugees. The other pile would be too big, too small. And the third pile was something that couldn't be worn again, you know, something that people donated, but it was in such a bad condition that you wouldn't actually give it to anyone. And I was like, where is that going? You know, I was just like, I'm fascinated by the away in the throwing away. I was like, what happens to all that clothing? Just that led me onto this journey of trying to figure out what happens to things when to the waste. Away. Yeah. yeah. And kind of asking myself a question, is there anything I can do or we all collectively can do to prevent those awesome materials, those awesome things ending up in landfill? Can we make that journey circular? Can we pick the waste and turn it into a new product? And then throughout my, you know, I, I just embarked on that degree at Cambridge. And that was really clear that circularity made so much sense. The course I did was called uh, Sustainable Value Chains. So mm -hmm. how can you not lose that value? Along the way. Yeah. How can you retain the value and turn it into this new product? So, yeah, that's how I ended up running this. Ruined my career. Uh, but, yeah, this is definitely the best job I've ever had. I'm sure. And I was reading on your website because, so Bean designs accessories with zero waste in mind, as you were mentioning it, and with recycled materials. And I was reading a sentence on your website where you say that you basically don't create products and then solve the ethical problems that arise. Instead, you find the environmental problem and create a solution to it. And I think that is such a great way to focus on a new business because you're basically turning turning it around, if that makes sense. Yeah. But you know what? I think I think it, it kind of brings us to the question of why companies and brands exist, right? I definitely see a problem with large corporations, be it in the fashion space or any other space. It's absolutely amazing that they are finally really looking into their 
carbon footprint into their sustainability. But if you think about it, like at the end of the day, those companies exist for one reason, to make profit. I'm a big believer in a completely different approach to this. I think social entrepreneurship is the way forward. If we really want a anything near a sustainable world, which is really, really hard to achieve, I think we should all become problem solvers. I think we should all look at the problems around us and think, how can I address this in a way that is sustainable? So the way I see being London is really, first and foremost, it's a way for all of us collectively to address an issue or several issues. And we're addressing not just the waste issue, but many others within our supply chain. But it's, it's you know, how can we all address a problem that we care about? And yeah, I in our to be bags you know like can you solve a problem through bags probably not entirely but you can definitely do something really meaningful for sure and you how can you innovate along the way and continue innovation throughout your business we're quite geeky in this sense like it's, it is a very geeky yes <laughs> i love that i mean i guess it's i want to know whether we all collectively as you know and collectively, I mean our customers and, and us as a as a brand, whether we're actually making a difference rather than just guessing and thinking, oh, because we use recycled materials, this should have a lower carbon footprint and it should be better for the environment. I kind of knew that in theory. I've read enough books about it, but but we measured everything and we measured you did. every step of it. I know. That's, I was going to talk to you about this, the, your amazing partnership with Tierra Neutra, where you uh, did this life cycle assessment. Yeah. I mean, I really, I always wanted to do it. It's a very long process. It is a very mistaken. long process. And just to give an idea, it's, it's in a very broad idea. It's basically comparing the footprint of your best-selling bag to a high street equivalent to make it in put in very simple words. We wanted to see the difference our bag is making rather than just have an abstract number of CO2 emissions at the end of it. So we compared it to a high street equivalent. And I have to say, I was expecting maybe that would be our CO2 emissions would be maybe, maybe I don't know, 30% less. <laughs> it was one-tenth <laughs> of the carbon footprint of a high street equivalent. And that I have to say, it blew my mind. We, yeah, there are. That's mind blowing, actually. It, it is mind blowing. It. Uh, it's giving me goosebumps even now, just thinking about it. And I've been sitting on this information for a few months now. Yeah, it does feel quite special. Uh, it's, it's one thing, no, kind of just thinking that you're probably having some sort of impact, and it's a completely different feeling when you know for sure, and you have those numbers in front of you, and you can communicate them to your community and to your customers and it, it's their impact it's not our impact it's their impact no of course but where, where, where was the highest uh you would say impact so because it's usually you know we know that a lot of the greenhouse emission gas emissions are produced through the supply chain yeah hidden activity so much material production preparation processing in your case where would you say the impact was the most important oh i know for sure where it sits so what I knew is that on average, two thirds of every garment, and I had the data for the fashion industry, two thirds of the carbon footprint is usually raw materials extraction. So this led me to using only recycled materials. So it was the materials. 
<laughs> it wasn't local manufacturing because we make everything in London, which is also quite unusual. It's all handmade in one of the last remaining leather workshops here in East London. And I thought that would have a big impact on our CO2 emissions. And it did, but it was nothing compared to to the difference that recy- using recycled materials made. So it's really, it's really all about virgin materials, you know, versus recycled materials. I mean, if you don't extract anything from the from the planet, yeah, it, it does make a huge difference. If you just use whatever is already in circulation, and I mean, and it looks exactly the same as virgin. It you know behaves exactly the same. It's durable, and and I mean, we also on top of that offer free repairs uh, to extend the life of every bag that we make even further. So, yeah. which I think, by the way, this is a great initiative because, you know, I believe, I really believe in educating people in taking care of their, of their products, what they have at their house, or even, you know, whether it's clothes, accessories, even anything else in the house, because you're going to buy something. We have this recently in, in the modern times when something doesn't work, we just throw it away and go buy something else. But there is many times where you can actually just repair it and it will work, especially when it comes to clothing and accessories. So I think that's a really, and if, if you make it easy for people to do it as your service, people will do it. I be, I strongly believe that. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it's also one of the reasons that we, the way we design things, I mean, we, we can't be trends driven. Like that would be absolute nonsense for us, for any any brand to do really. No. You know, you can't just follow trends and expect that to last because it's just, it, again, it goes back to those business models. You know, is your business model built on kind of this idea of constant growth? You know, that like we all, especially in the, in the kind of in the startup world, it's like it's growth, growth, growth. What it means is... Yeah, producing more and more and more. And is this a good thing? That's a very good point because we, we, we're led to believe, I mean, we believe and that's the world we're in right now where, you know, we need to grow more and more and to the point where, you know, the, the company is going to be either bought or that's the aim. What about just thinking that your company is just doing great and instead of growing, the you should focus on growing your innovations instead. So some, you know, moving into something else. I think there's absolutely no way we can be serious about talking about sustainability and and at the same time pursuing this constant growth. I mean, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? I, I love the way Patagonia approach it, and it's very similar to how we think about it. So we're saying to our customers, if you don't need a bag, don't buy a bag. You know. But if you need a bag, ours will be so much better for everyone involved, for the environment and your impact, your personal impact will be much positive if you do that. But then at the same time, there's this idea like we're here for the impact. We're here to help people have a positive impact. And in our case, scaling up would mean that more people can have a positive impact. And if, if that next... Uh, you know, high street purchase is replaced by one of our products. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg, but I definitely believe that constant growth and producing more and selling more, more, more is definitely not the way forward. The way forward. No, of course not. And something that you focus a lot at being also is transparency with your, with your company and also with uh, the cons- the consumers. And transparency is also definitely the way forward for people 
to understand why they will come to you, as you were mentioning, you know, saying, if you're going to buy a bag, come to us. And that's because they need to have the facts and they need to understand why buying a, the high street equivalent is not good and why investing a bit more, um, you know, could be the way forward. So transparency is definitely something on your website. It's very clear and the message and your DNA is very clear of the brand. So that's, that's great. Uh, no, I, um, but you know what? Because I don't come from the fashion industry. So I think the way we work is the way I would love to be treated as a... Mm-hmm. Consumer, I, I, I like I'm my my mouth doesn't even like I can't even say the word consumer because we're <laughs> citizens and we're all. Do, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, no, 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 no. I get it. I get it. I would love to be treated that way. I would love to, yeah. The way we work is the way it kind of should be, not the way it's always been. So I don't call us. Like, I can't think of us as, like, completely revolutionary, but we are doing things very differently from, you are. Very, from everyone else. Just because as a normal person, as an individual, I think that's the way it should be, no? Like, companies should be transparent. Like, why? Like, are you hiding anything? We're not hiding anything. <laughs> no, of course. So, like, I would love, I, I like buying from brands that uh, are honest with me and that are not hiding anything. So... That's just just feels normal. It doesn't feel unusual. It's like the way it should be, no? <laughs> Definitely. I'd love to talk actually about the materials that you use because Oh, that's I'm, my favorite I'm, conversation. I, yeah, because I'm I'm the same. I'm amazed by the technological advances in the world of fabrics. And so you're using Pinatex, Apple Leather, Recycled Felt, all these great names, and people don't really know maybe what they are. And I would love to know if you could take us through actually how your how you source materials, how do they make the cuts? There's one main criteria. Mm-hmm. Our materials have to be diverting waste from landfills. So they're all made from waste materials. They're all recycled. So it's basically something that others see as waste, we see it as a potential to make something beautiful. <laughs> I have to say the felt is my favorite part material at the moment. And it it's invisible. You can't even see it in our products. It sits inside our backpacks. It's more of a structural part. Uh, but I guess it shows how we think about building our products. Even the stuff that no one can see has a beautiful story and it's impactful. So our recycled felt is made from mm-hmm. discarded IKEA, KLM, corporate uniforms. Wow. There is an amazing social enterprise uh, based in Utrecht in the Netherlands okay called I did and they are yeah they collect those uniforms so they've got contracts with all those corporates um they collect those discarded uniforms mechanically recycle them so they shred them into very very small pieces kind of fibers and then weave them back into a felt it's not really weaving that turn them into a really lovely felt. And I mean, you can see the text, you can see those multicolored threads in there and you can see the story of that material in there. That's I mean, incredible. It, it looks new. It's obviously cleaned and processed several times, but I love that you can see that story inside. And that particular social enterprise, they also have a social mission, just like us. You know, you can't just address the environmental without really thinking about the social sustainability. They employ people with a long history of unemployment. Okay. So uh, most of their staff actually come from a background from like several years of being on benefits. And this is their first job in a very long time. And I really admire that. 
It's a great social impact, of course. That's great yeah. to have that. So we've yeah. been buying that file. Amazing. Um, That's a long time. Actually, the one product where you can can see it is our laptop cases. And there you can see, so in the lighter colored laptop cases, we use this kind of off-white felt. And in the darker ones, it's like black with threads of gray and red. It's just, I don't know. It's the most We actually have one of the laptop cases on the forward lamp. So I will definitely oh. put it in the show notes because it's definitely one of the great products that I like. <laughs> so um, that's very, that's incredible, the story of the recycled fed. I love it. Yeah, but there are many more. I mean, the zip recycled plastic bottles so that's ykk they've got a really good initiative um making zip tapes and the two types two processes that they use to recycle them uh, they use both types uh it's recycled leather so it's tannery waste milled into a powder pressed onto a fabric core pinatex uh, is probably one of the better known materials so that's pineapple leaves usually discarded by the farming uh, by the farmers in the Philippines and they're woven into this leather-like material which is also awesome. it's vegan it's certified peter certified vegan material yeah we rarely use certified apple leather as well yeah is, apple leather is, pretty, is a yeah, one. It's great it's it's made from peels and cores of um apples so that's the jam and juice kind of bits and bobs the, the leftovers of that that's an italian company it's for me. It sounds. It sounds that these recycled um, fabrics are. It's there's. It's infinite because you know we, you hear about pineapples, apples. You know there's there could be all these fruits, all these you know new innovation, and I, I find that really amazing. Yeah, there's lots to do. I mean, I have to say, it's not. I'm happy that there's a lot of development in in that field because it's not perfect in terms of. Recycling things further at the end of the life cycle of a product, um, there's definitely more to be done. It's possible, but all those manufacturers, they want really big quantities, etc. cetera. But, uh, but there's a lot of movement in there in terms of biodegradability and, yeah. So which which fabrics right now are exciting you the most? Or what are you, what type of innovation would you like to see if you had to, if you had to dream a little bit? Full circularity. That would be my dream. I think we're close to that in terms of our products, but it needs a collaborative effort. So the way we the way we make our products is they're they're completely you can take them apart at the end of the life cycle because because you know shoes and bags are impossible to recycle pretty much because everything's glued together. There's usually like fifteen different materials. I mean, just look at trainers. Right, there's just like so many parts. Everything's sewn together. Everything's glued together. You can't take it apart. So my my dream is full circularity. Uh, with our bags, you can take them apart, uh, and you can send all the materials through us uh, to the manufacturers, or even do curbside curbside recycling. So we have like the, the recycled cotton lining, for instance, that we use. It's yeah, you can just recycle it as any other textile. That's something that I wanted to discuss with you and to explore. It's uh, your concept of zero waste design. And I might be mistaken, and I can't remember where I read it for Bean, but you, for your designs to be as zero waste as possible, you mostly use square or rectangular designs to reduce fabric offcuts and floor cuttings, right? Yeah, the logic is like, okay, if we're here to help our customers reduce waste uh, and the environmental impact, it would be 
I mean, it would be stupid for us to create more waste in the process, right? That's, that's <laughs> so, very true. <laughs> so, like, okay, how can we do that? Um, we're never going to make a circ like a round bag, okay? Because it creates a lot of offcuts. So, all our panels are square or rectangular at the moment, but we're actually in a, working on a really exciting project with with London College of Fashion at the moment with their masters students, and they are helping us develop a kind of more dynamic shapes that okay. don't have to be square or rectangular, but still use that zero waste pattern cutting approach. So we're learning from them, really. It's a learning curve. And it's, again, it's, you know, constant innovation. So it's always a learning curve. Seriously, it's, it's like constant learning curve. And so, sometimes I have to say, sometimes it's, it's a bit too steep. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. Like, oh, <laughs> Another new thing and another new thing and another new thing. <laughs> But it's going it's to keep coming because, you know, the sustainable fashion, everything is brand new. I think everybody's learning along the way, I would say. It's, you know, all, all the innovations are, and hopefully we'll have more innovations and hopefully the conversation will continue and hopefully you have new things to uh to to build so that's that's i found that's what's the most exciting about this place. i agree yeah, yeah. It's the, the complexity of it fascinates me and the uh, the pace as well i think it's a really interesting space to be in at the moment definitely and what would you say is the biggest challenge when you work with recycled materials i always wonder if there's an added challenge i mean on top of maybe the, the prices in terms of design is there something that really makes it harder <laughs> Do you know what? I have no idea because I've only ever worked with recycled material. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have to true. say they're not cheap, but I see more benefits to that because A, the stories are fascinating. I love following a story of like every thread all the way to the source and B, the impact. So I, to be honest with you, I, I think it's great overall. Yeah, they're a bit more expensive, but And I, I mean, in our case, it's manufacturing in London, which is the most expensive part for us. It's, I mean, real people paying the same prices as you and I for groceries, for going out, for, you know, buying clothes for their children. So they need to be paid fairly. It's in a way the real price of the bag. It's yes, absolutely the real price. And you know what? I, again, I always try to think about it as just as an individual not as someone who runs this brand but like would I want any unhappy people making my bag like people that are underpaid people that are that can't afford the health insurance absolutely not absolutely yeah. not you know um it's yeah no no I, I completely get it and with this approach like oh it's a lovely product I don't want to think about what happened there in the process mm -hmm. like how it got here who made it i think it's important and i think there are enough people in the world and it's a it's a number that's growing so fast of people who care about those things and i mean our instagram has the faces of all our makers it's a very small team but which i love i think faces, that's really great names you know yeah. like um <laughs> making it more human know each other it's they're real people and i think i think it's important to recognize that they're incredibly skilled and talented and creative and yeah yeah actually that takes me to the next topic that i wanted to talk to you about and it's a sort of shift in perception i think you mentioned that before 
we we wrote a piece uh, for the Forward Lab a couple of months ago on fashion designers working with waste, and we interviewed uh, Dr. Christina Dean, the founder of Red Dress, uh, a Hong Kong-based NGO. Oh, she's great. She's great, yes. And one of the and she talked about waste as a resource that hasn't been utilized, and it's exactly what you were mentioning at the beginning of the of our talk. And I really like this this definition because I really think that's the way we should all start to perceive waste. And if we rewind 10 years, I think waste was kind of a filthy word. I know. I'm on a mission to make it sexy. Exactly. And now it's, <laughs> and a brand, a brand like yours is breaking the stigma of waste. So have you seen a, a real shift in perception with clients, humans around I, you? I think it's happening. Yeah, I Great. think it's definitely happening. Yeah. And that was between you and I, one of the, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a former journalist and a campaigner. For me, that was a very important thing. Like, can this product change one person's mind about seeing waste as a beautiful thing and as a, you know, as a resource rather than something that we should forget about and throw it away and forget about that away? I was, I remember walking across London Fields Park at the very, very beginning and thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if I just imagined this image of, you know, two people meeting in a cafe or something, you know, I remember yeah. the image very clearly. And one of them puts, I don't know, a bright green bag on the table. And this conversation, like, oh, great bag. <laughs> the, the response to that is like, yeah, you know what? It's made entirely from waste. And to me, this is, I think this is happening now. And I think people take pride in having a positive impact and thinking about where things come from um, in being much more educated about it. Oh, and, oh my God, like seeing people wear our bags in the streets is just mind blowing still. I'm sure it always must be very exciting every time. <laughs> oh my God, I'm still, I still pinch myself every time that happens. And then yeah. that happens more and more often these days and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, which so, so what lies ahead for Bean now? I know you had a very successful collaboration with Tala. And there's, if I'm not mistaken, a new, a very exciting collaboration coming up soon. Yes, uh, we are just about to launch a collaboration with model, uh, creative and environmental activist and the person I admire a lot, Amelia Windsor. She is the ambassador for Fashion Revolution for a number of environmental organizations and is just an amazing person to work with. So we started chatting back in December 2020, basically decided to do a collaboration and Amelia designed a bag for us. And the thinking behind it was she wanted to make this perfect bag that she always dreamt about, something practical, something fun, made entirely from recycled materials. Uh, we made all of them here in London in our studio. Yeah, it's being launched. That's soon. Like, it's pretty much as we speak, very soon. Okay, amazing, uh, great. <laughs> it's a very limited edition, so I'm just hoping that by the time the podcast airs, we have um, still. Otherwise, like, otherwise, people will have to be on it next time. We <laughs> to make sure. are doing it. We're making it in two colorways. So it's going to be a gorgeous one, black and silver, and the other one is entirely black. Great, with beautiful pink lining. But like, oh, this combination is just... Um, oh, I can't wait to see it. It's really, really lovely. That's great. And it's been fantastic collaborating with, with Amelia. Really just a very fun experience, mostly over Zoom, because obviously we couldn't <laughs> see each other um, right in the middle of lockdown. 
But what's great now is that you just open a new studio in East London and you'll be able to show it, I guess, in your in your in your studio now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So people can come and see it for in real life. People can come and see it. And with this particular bag, we're offering for the first time ever, we're offering complimentary personalization. So every person who buys it will you know, can get their initials embossed on it. Um, so yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You know what? It's just, uh, it feels really nice. And, uh, and we've got a few other collaborations lined up for this year. I'm not allowed to talk about them yet. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on the, on your Instagram and your website for sure. And what, what are your next, I mean, You've already focused on many sustainable goals at Bean, so obviously fabrics and you know recycled materials and waste, and your partnership with Terra Neutra for your carbon footprint. Are there any next goals that you're like trying to focus on? Yeah, well, there are a few. In terms of measuring things, we now uh, implemented a system of calculating the amount of waste we're diverting from landfill live as we go along with literally with every bag made our internal system you know ups the numbers so we know exactly how many kilos of leather waste we've diverted from landfill um how many plastic bottles our customers have helped divert from landfill you must be so proud when you see the numbers oh it's, it's awesome it's, yeah <laughs> i mean uh, but our next step is really diving into the water consumption and and chemicals figuring out what we can do there. I guess what the collaboration with Terra Neutra and the life cycle analysis allowed us to do, now that we have all the data, it allows us to go back to our suppliers and start conversations with them about how they can do better. Yes. Because, you know, a lot of those uh, companies, even though they are at the forefront of sustainability, of producing those materials, a lot of them have never measured things that we wanted them to measure uh, and that we ended up measuring so now we can go back to them and say okay guys you you're making the most amazing material but your uh, electricity supplier is not renewable energy <laughs> so you know those little things and i think starting small and starting those conversations is is quite it's still something it's it's really important it's uh, the the, the tiranotra uh, uh, partnership is a great resource now for your future developments oh yeah and they're, they're great friends as well which, which helps <laughs> i literally spoke to john the founder just now so that i think is is something we'll be working on this year we're also i mean i probably told you about it you know we have a little forest in peru in the amazon i oh, know you've never told me about that uh -huh. okay yeah okay <laughs> so we start last year we started planting a little forest in Peru, the Amazon, in the area that, is, that has been massively affected by deforestation. Uh, we partnered up uh, with an NGO called Tree Nation. I mean, they're great for two reasons. They plant with biodiversity preservation in mind. So it's not, you know, like the tick, box ticking exercise when you're like, we planted 2,000 trees. <laughs> like, where did you plant them? Are they all the same trees? Because that doesn't make any sense. If you plant What's the real impact? 2,000 no. of the same trees in the same place, all the biodiversity that was meant to come back, in theory, is not going to come back because animals need biodiversity. They need different plants. So we found an NGO that really understands that and, and they measure the impact. 
So for every tree, we know what the what the CO2 impact would be, and we can start basically matching that with our CO2 emissions. So at the moment, we plant a tree for every order. Yes, I saw that on your on the. I, I didn't see. I didn't realize it was in Peru. I mean, and I didn't, for Amelia you know. collaboration, we're planting a very special tree. Uh, we're plant- planting a moringa tree. You know, you probably okay. see that. You know, the moringa oil yes. is quite common in uh, beauty products. Uh, but mm-hmm. this tree is one of the most impactful in terms of absorbing CO2. Yes. I love the fact that you're picking the trees and, as you said, building a forest and rebuilding bio- biodiversity. That's, you know, it's definitely the way to go. And it's when you see when you see documentaries of biodiversity and you and you see those plots of land that were dead and suddenly after many years of maintaining it and bringing different trees and different animals and you see life start again it's it's really quite thought provoking actually you're just wondering why we didn't do that before yeah and I think the move of the sustainability conversation in general towards regenerative practices i think this is very timely very interesting and very like it we all should start thinking about that we should all be doing that i cannot agree more i it, i'm it, regenerative agriculture and is something that is really on my mind and I've, i've i've tried to read about it to uh to see documentaries and it it seems it takes a lot of t- a lot of time but it kind of seems easy to implement because it's just there yeah. and it's just a, it's just a matter of you know educating people and just spreading the word yeah and it's shifting that mindset from mm-hmm. let's reduce the damage to how can we regenerate how can we actually have a positive impact rather than thinking about reducing our negative impact i mean it's a leap like it's there are a lot of steps in between but i think it's definitely time to have this conversation and the other plan for this year we are in the process of registering as a b corp wow that's a great that's great news oh yes we started the process i mean that's also been a dream of mine for a very long time and yeah I can understand completely. I think that's a great uh, process that you're starting. And I'm pre- I mean, I'm sure it's going to be very successful. So you have a lot on your hand this year. It's a very, very busy year. You know what? It's uh, it's It's been keeping me sane throughout lockdown, like 2020, just having that in my life. Projects. Those plans and all the projects. <laughs> it's been keeping me sane. I mean, not, not really, but like sane-ish. <laughs> Sainish. And it's 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 very it's very impressive that you've managed to create all these projects while in lockdown. And you know, some some of us have been maybe just trying to get our head around about what's happening, but you've been building and you know, creating new projects all oh, no, the way around. A lot of like trying to get my head around what's happening as well. <laughs> for sure. Like for instance, my my exercise routine has gone completely out of yep. <laughs> I can I can also relate to that. <laughs> of course. Probably my wine consumption went up. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So I just I would love to end. I always like to end actually with a little advice for people listening to us. And this one would be uh, something a bit more concrete. Like how can we advise someone to spot brands with a lower carbon footprint? Because that's something that you focused on recently. Yeah. And how can we spot how we can, I mean, obviously you can go on the about page, but what should we look for? Um, the one-on-one of, you know, looking for something with a lower carbon footprint. 
if we're talking about carbon footprint, then two things for sure. And then I can just deduct that from the data that we got. Okay. Search for brands making things from recycled materials. That's definitely a lower carbon footprint. Um, but keep an eye on recycled polyesters when they're used for clothing, for garments, because I'm sure a lot of listeners would know that, but uh, recycled polyesters have shorter fiber lengths and it escapes in the wash. So if it's something that you're planning to wash often, then dare buy recycled polyester because it, it, it goes basically straight into water waste. So the reason we sometimes use recycled polyester is because you don't really, you don't put your bags um, in, in the washing machine. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So recycled materials is one and made locally. And it will, you know, it will help you with a lot of things, not just the carbon footprint, because you'll know that it's not flown from the global south. Uh, you'll know that the, the there aren't any unnecessary air miles, but also you'll probably have a better idea on the working conditions of people who made that product. There's no guarantee. I mean, modern slavery is a thing, even in the UK, but the chances are much lower. And I mean, look up for brands that are transparent. Can you see the faces of their makers on their Instagram account, on their website? Can you see the addresses of their manufacturers? Um, that's always a good sign. I guess the more transparency you see, the uh, the more you can trust. The better. Yeah. Oh, it's for me, it's, I always say this, I keep repeating this, I think on all the podcasts, it's, it's really about as a human and as a consumer about curiosity. Yeah, you know, it's you have oh, to absolutely. be interested in the brand that you're going to buy. You have to look for information. Um, you know, as you were saying, it's we're kind of geeky. I love to go on the about pages and just look into things, discover the brand. And I really want people to be able to do that. And I'm hoping that, you know, having conversations with people like you and brands like you are are going to make them want to uh, to discover more and to know more about brands because you're doing a lot of work. Uh, you're putting it out there and it's important for people to read it and to know about it on the bigger picture. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, oh, Genia, for words. being with us today. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. It's, it's always a pleasure, seriously. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, do, to seeing the new collab and the next collab. And I hope we'll be able to chat soon. And for people listening, Bean has opened a new studio in East London, so you should definitely pop by and have a look. Yeah, the address will be on our Instagram account. Exactly, of course. And head over to theforwardlab.com to join the conversation. We'll have show notes. And thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week. Thank you, Junior. Thank you. Thank you.